Hi, I'm Thomas. And I'm Ryan. And welcome to Joni Jam. The only podcast going album by album reviewing Joni Mitchell's entire discography. Today we're reviewing Joni's debut album, Song to a Seagull, that came out in 1968. Yes, Song to a Seagull time. (laughs) I'm super excited to talk about this album. I mean, I think that this is like probably like one of the best debut albums I've heard like ever and I just feel like it's really underappreciated what about you (laughs) I definitely feel the same I think whenever people talk about their favorite debut albums I see like Fiona Apples I see like people in that vein but I never see anyone talk about Joni's debut which is interesting because there's so much like wisdom on it yeah she definitely this album could definitely be put out by an artist later in their career and people would be like oh my gosh, the writing on that is amazing. But then we have like, you know, like this is just her first, you know, kind of attempt at an album. If you could like, I mean, it was just the start. Yeah, it's definitely like a classic singer songwriter album. And I wish more people did appreciate it. It's just like with Joni, she has such, her albums after this too, just overshadow everything she did before, unfortunately, critically at least. Yeah, yeah, including Dog Eat Dog. Right? Oh, well, up till Don Juan, they're all critically acclaimed. <laughs> oh, sorry. Hey, I'll keep Mingus in there as well. We also love Mingus in this. We do. In this setting, this sphere. No? Which is an unpopular opinion in the, the Joni Mitchell community to like Mingus. It, is it? It seems like a lot of people struggle with that album. Okay, well, those people just are struggling in general. They just, <laughs> they just need to figure out how to love it. I don't know. I think it's great. Okay, um, so one of the first things I want to talk about this album, like an overview is that, and this is kind of like, you know, just a little extra thing, but this album was dedicated to Joni Mitchell's seventh grade English teacher, um, whose name is Mr. Kratzman. I don't check, mm-hmm. check on pronu- pronunciation. And he, he, she said, Mr. Kratz, dedicated to Mr. Kratzman, who taught me to love words. And I just feel like that is such a great kind of start to her career because I know he told her, like, if you learn how to write, like, you can learn how to paint the entire world or something like that. And it's like, yeah, I feel like that's a great kind of opener to her career, even though I know he, like, never acknowledged her or something. <laughs> like, No. Yeah, he said, if you can paint with words, if you, if you can paint with colors, you can paint with words. And that's, oh, that's like what, what made her do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. She, yeah. And then he, like, never even, he was like, I didn't teach her that. Wait, he said that? I never yeah, no, I'm that. pretty sure he was like, he was like, mm, that didn't happen. And she was like, what, Mr. Kratzman? No, I might have made that up. I swear <laughs> that happens. <laughs> I swear I read that somewhere. Well, a lot of people have called Joni a liar, so and I wouldn't be shocked. She has been known. <laughs> I've heard liar. I've heard narcissist. I've heard multiple titles. But, but she's still mother. Yeah, she is still mother. Um, okay, this album also is split into two parts. There's side one, which is called I Came to the City. And then side two is Out of the City and Down to the Seaside. Ooh, so, so majestic, right? (laughs) That is. It actually, I think it's really cool she did it that way, especially, I guess we'll get into it later, but there's like an obvious turning point from Nathan to Cisoto Belaine. Oh, yeah. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, it's like Cisoto, yeah. I like you can tell that it's definitely like purposefully split that way and like the beginning songs all have a little bit more of like a I don't know like a city quality to it even in like the way that they're played but then like when you get to the second half of the album it's like a lot more like quiet and like seasidey I don't know it's hard to explain yeah I also think it's really clever because 
Nathan Lafreniere, is that how you pronounce it? No. He was, it's about a taxi driver in New York City that she met and he was like really mean to her or she no. just got like, she didn't like him. There was something going on there. And <laughs> something shady. It's kind of clever that, yeah, it's kind of clever. She ends the side with the city about like being on a taxi and like kind of hating the city. And then suddenly, like on Ciso Topo Lane, she's just like in the countryside or like by the sea. So and it, it starts this kind of, I think it starts this kind of long running idea about like in Joni's work that you'll see probably, I think honestly, you'll see it for her entire career I can't think of an album where it's not here where she's talking about this wanting to kind of like retreat into like the wilderness retreat away from like either it's like the record business or the city like she just wants to get away so bad from it in some sense I don't know like I just feel like this album starts that initial push away yeah it's like she's planting seeds of the disillusionment you're gonna see on like blue and for the roses oh yeah oh especially for the roses for sure yeah 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 um and then also another thing about this album is that it some originally people thought it was just called Joni Mitchell it was just like they just thought it was Joni Mitchell because I think it was like the pressing cut off some of the seagulls in the song to a seagull formation on the cover and then it ended up people just didn't know it as Song to a Seagull. And then eventually it was like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. And then people also couldn't see it like later, like um, in the artwork itself, it's hard to spot the Song to a Seagull because isn't yeah. it, it's like drawn with the seagulls, like in the, like the skyline almost. It's a bunch of birds. Yeah. They're all kind of, and, and they're, and some, honestly, I'm looking at it now, some of like the birds blend the letters together really intensely to where I could see why people would just be like. What is that, you know? Yeah, I didn't even know that it said song to a seagull on the cover until I watched someone's podcast and they mentioned it. And I was like, oh my God, it is there. Yeah, no, I I mean, I think it's it's a clever way to have a title, but it kind of can get a little confusing. Yeah, and also just like, I love how she paints or sketches most of her album covers. Yes. And I think it's like a really clever way to do to do an album. It makes it so original. Like I don't hate when artists have their face on an album, but I appreciate it more if it's something like that they painted because yeah. and it connects really well to the overall vibe of the album. No, and I I also think like because like obviously like Joni is a painter and like she, you know, I think she like paints as much as I probably she I think she does paint more than she ever wrote music. And like I think that like her finding a way to kind of unite the two is like this was something that I don't know if a lot of people had done before I really can't think of other albums like that came out at that time that used that sort of like making your own art for the cover I mean I guess there's probably some but yeah but she's like the one artist I know that really like would make her own album covers yeah like by herself yeah she usually has some pretty amazing covers um excluding <laughs> excluding that we will get to uh, at some point one day <laughs> nine years down the line from now nine years down the line yeah um also I wanted to so also with the cover just getting into the artwork and stuff it's really interesting because I know that she had talked about at this time her artistic style was super ornamental and like she would just like do all of these like if you look at her other artwork at this time as well there's like so much detail going on and like it's almost like she creates like tapestries like tapestry looking things with like I don't know if it's like just paint or markers or pen but it's like 
beautifully done. And she obviously starts going away from that later. She starts getting into like more simplistic stuff. And then she kind of goes into oil paints. But this album is like, I love how ornamental and like decorative the cover is. I think it's really beautiful. Yeah, she was really experimenting with stuff at this time. Like even in the music too, not just like the cover, which is what I really appreciate. Like I, Nathan Lafreniere, it's the that like banshee sound she does. I don't. Mm-hmm. It's obviously not her doing it, but that comes up in like the verses and the chorus. Yeah, that's not something I would have ever expected to hear on a Joni Mitchell album, let alone in 1968. Yeah, well, I guess that's probably around when electric guitars were starting to kind of be a little bit more implemented into music. Um, I personally, actually, it's funny you brought that up. I actually personally don't love that Banshee sound because I think it has to do with something that the way David Crosby, who we'll talk about, um, I feel like it has something to do with the way he produced it to make it sound. I feel like it's just really harsh. Like, I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, oh my God, I'm getting a migraine. This is painful. (laughs) I can see that. Yeah, Joni had a lot of words to say about David Crosby and his production for this album. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. She, I love the, I personally love the sound of the album. I think you do too. Yeah. But I, I guess I can, I can see where she's coming from a lot of the time with her disdain for it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like it, it doesn't sound like most albums that came out at that time. I know I was actually listening to um, Judy Collins's album, um, Wildflowers the other day because I wanted to hear her version of uh, Michael for Mountains again and the sound quality on that versus the sound quality on Song to a Seagull is just completely completely different like on like Judy Collins's one you can tell that there's like a studio booth and it's like you know like it was done in like a specific way and then this one you're just like oh my god it's like a fishbowl sound effect yeah. <laughs> it's like it's echo Something that's really cool about that is like I've also heard Judy Collins's version and I love it. Like I do love Judy's voice. Yeah. But the thing about Joni's version that makes it so special and a lot of the songs on this album is it just sounds so enchanting. Just yeah. how the production is done. It's almost like she's a siren or like a mermaid, like Ooh. telling you all these like songs or like stories, like luring yeah. men to her. I think yeah. that's so cool. I don't know. It's just, it's just a, like... something I've always got. From the album uh, yeah now i want like a siren movie with like song to a seagull songs on it like let's make it like <laughs> the little mermaid but song to a seagull edition i don't know please <laughs> i'm thinking that <laughs> i think that'd be a fun vibe i don't know i call up disney i would watch that <laughs> so would I, I um i don't know i feel like just this album in general before we get into like the actual songs i think that this album in general is like has such a mood to it like it's I don't I wouldn't say it's like a concept album to where there's like a full like running theme like throughout everything but like it's definitely it definitely sets you into a specific world that she's creating that like doesn't even feel it like none of it feels like it's taking place in like you know just like 1960s America like I feel like it's in like some dream sort of place I don't know yeah, it, it has this very timeless quality to it where I, I don't think I can place it in a specific era. And I know we're not talking about clouds right now, but I think clouds also has a kind of similar vibe where it's like I can't place it into one singular era. It kind of feels almost medievally, but also kind of like timeless at the same time. You're so right. I literally, that's so true. Clouds does sound medievally, huh? Yeah, and I get a little of that, that too but less medieval like what is that like why does that 
I don't understand why it does sound medievally, but once you like put it like that, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I feel yeah, you. I don't know what it is either. It's just, I've always felt like that from her. Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. Like I, I could see that quality. I mean, she does kind of do a lot of historical references in this album that I guess, and they're not specifically medieval, but they're like kind of fantasy, like that make you go into that headspace. I don't know. Yeah. It's very whimsical, but it's also serious at the same time. Oh, like yeah. I feel like she's not playing too much into the fantasy, but it's also entrancing because it's bringing you into the, like this dream world she's creating. Yeah, this definitely, though, I wouldn't say that this album, like, I know it's like, people always say that she's like a confessional songwriter, which, you know, I know she doesn't love that term, like being called that, but like, she is on some things, I would say. But um, this album, I don't think actually is very confessional in a lot of ways. I think it's more like a storybook. Like there's not like, she's not being super, I don't know, direct about things. Like she's using a lot of metaphors and like colorful language to get like some sort of story across. I don't know. Yeah, I would argue that Cactus Tree is probably the only confessional song on this yeah. album that like feels very confessional. But outside of that, yeah, I think it has something to do with, I know around this time, like a few years prior when she started singing folk music at cafes or like at festivals, there are folk artists that would come up to her and say, you can't be singing my so I wonder I, I think it was that influence because a lot of folk music is stuff that's like passed down or it's very like it's very descriptive without being too confessional like I yeah. know she, when she heard Positively Fourth Street I think it is by Bob Dylan yeah that's when she was like oh you can do this with music and that's yeah. when she started becoming a little more confessional but yeah here it does feel like a collection of folk songs that have been around for forever because there's no modern references really in the in the lyrics. I no. mean, she alludes to some modern stuff, but still. Yeah, no, I mean, I've actually, I know I've listened to the, um, I've listened to her like first archive that came out, like with like the stuff that's like pre this album, has a lot of pre this album stuff. And she does do so many like classic folk songs. Like she does like, um, what is it? I know she does like House of the Rising Sun and she does like John Hardy. Like these are all these like old folk songs that everybody was singing. Like even like someone like Judy Collins, like was like, they all just sang like kind of like the same collection of folk kind of, you know, music. And Joni, I, I, she's not the first to do it, but she kind of pioneers this, like, I'm going to write my own music. I mean, and it's still in the folk genre. I wouldn't say she really gets out of like folk music until like Ladies of the Canyon kind of takes it somewhere different. I don't know. Yeah. Oh my God. When she starts putting pianos into her music with Ladies of the Canyon, we'll get to that. But that was yes. just such a great, that was just such a great, time for her like when I yes. first heard those songs like Willie and everything but yeah I I love I love her piano playing I wish I could play like her um fun fact I do play piano and guitar but also fun fact <laughs> I am not <laughs> I'm not on anywhere near Joni Mitchell's level of musicality sadly oh I don't think any of us will ever get to that level I don't you know. have I She's mean like ranked she's like ranked in the top 70 guitar players ever by like Rolling Stone but then again Rolling Stone has a lot of very arbitrary lists, so. We don't stand Rolling Stone. Yeah, do what you want with that. They also slut-shamed her, too. I guess we'll get into that when the time comes. But Oh, wait, when? When's that? There was this There was this map they made in one of their magazines about every man Joni Mitchell had been with. Like, it was like, it was like I forget what it was titled, but it had, like, a, a kiss, like, on it. Or, like, someone's lipstick kissed onto it. And it was, like, connecting her to 
people from like the mamas and the papas, the birds, Crosby, Nash and Stills, Leonard Cohen. And it was just like, oh, they were being so misogynistic in it. It was just awful. That's, I mean, it's so, yeah, that's like, that's actually one thing about Joni that like, I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like that because she's a woman and I know she doesn't consider herself like a feminist and she's not like, you know, poor me because I'm a woman, but like she has got a somewhat unfair rep, especially in the beginning because she's a female. I mean, like they wanted to like put her into this like hippie folk goddess, but honestly, even listening to this album, I don't get like a hippie vibe from it. It's like, it's something more sophisticated than that. It's not like a, just like let's all love each other hippie vibe I don't know yeah I definitely agree because Joni's music has always been a little darker than that or it's always been she I remember is it the woman of heart and mind documentary where she says like she never wanted to be included with the hippies or the flower child and that she never even heard it earlier in her music I like the one album I think you could maybe kind of group her in with them in is ladies of the canyon a little bit just because it's around all those people in Laurel Canyon and she was really inspired and influenced by a lot of the people she was working with yeah but even then I don't I don't really see outside of Woodstock any like flower child or hippie songs I mean I guess taxi too oh see but I don't think that song is hippie I think I think that that song is a little bit more like I don't know I think that that song is more like of a protest song than it is like a hippies I guess hippie songs can be protesting but like um I don't know, like songs like Ladies of the Canyon or I feel like that song's a little hippie because like she's like mentioning like all of these like, you know, there's like Trina with her, you know, beads and I don't know. I don't, we'll get into that eventually. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go there sometime. Um, should <laughs> we start with the first song of this album? Yeah, we should. I had a king. Um, I mean, something I really like about this song is it's about her first husband, Chuck Mitchell, I believe. Ooh. And yeah, boo. He... I don't know if people know this, but he had, they'd met in Michigan, I think, or maybe it was Canada. And what happened was he had promised Joni that he was going to get her daughter back, that when he married her, if she married him, he would go after like her child, they would find her and they would raise her together. But then at least that's what Joni says. But then after he got married, he made it clear to her that he was not going to raise another man's child. So she was kind of stuck with him. And she realized like, hey you would not be anywhere without me because she was always from what people were saying that I saw them perform she was the the star of the group and she was one like completely carrying them and I kind of think he also knew that without her he wouldn't have the six like success at all or he wouldn't be getting gigs like her so yeah and it's just it's such a cool way or not it's just such a sophisticated way to write about a divorce because just how she's like the keys don't like I can't go back there anymore the keys don't fit the door stuff like that it's just like so so wise and she's only 26 at the time I think wow mother 27 that's mother yeah she knew exactly what she was doing I I feel like I I I've heard a lot of that stuff about Chuck Mitchell and I feel like for him it's probably very at the time I mean I'm sure it is for men now but at the time for his wife for people to be giving his wife the props in their musical kind of duo I'm sure it was probably like very emasculating to him he was probably like you know like oh my gosh like everyone's giving her credit and not me I'm sure he was like you know probably really pissed off about mad yeah like I'm sure but I mean I don't know I I personally don't think that uh 
I personally don't think that like he's a great guy. I don't know. I feel like this song kind of <laughs> kind of displays that. He's just I don't know. He's not my fave, but um, I do also love this song so much. This is probably one of my favorite songs on this album, or maybe my favorite song. I I love the melody to it. It is so. I, like one of the like I remember like the first few times I first heard this song I would like get really emotional like the melody is so like it's so depressing but it's like also so beautiful and I just I don't know I, I love this way of kind of like it opens this album in like this like fairy tale kind of world I don't know necessarily if this song fully relates to like the I came to the city I don't know how it kind of relates to that I mean maybe you could piece that together I don't know Maybe just a little bit of the lyrics. I don't know. But even then, the lyrics are, like, not reflecting the city as much. The one thing that sticks out to me, uh, connecting it to that, would maybe be, like, when she says the king's in the grove and the queen's on the road till the end of the year. Or maybe it's the opposite. I didn't write the lyric down. I'm no, sorry about that. No, I know what you mean. I think I think that's the one way I could connect it. But other than that, it doesn't really fit it. But it is a nice opening to the album. And I think it's a great way for, like, anyone to start off their career. Because that's, like... Yeah. Yeah. The first song in her discography. It's it's a great I mean, Joni has so many amazing opening tracks. Like her opening tracks are always like always fire. I mean, we'll get to some of them, but like I don't know. Like I love I can't think of an album that doesn't have a good opening track, honestly. Like maybe Ten yeah. Angel. Never mind. <laughs> no, I love Ten Angel. Don't start. <laughs> I can't. When we get no next time we do clouds, get ready for some aggressive opinions. Some, some lashings from both of us. Some lashings, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean we'll get into it then, but it's just this is such a strong way to start off your career. So I don't know, with clouds, we'll get to it when we get to it. But yeah. I just think that this is almost like a perfect album. It's not a perfect album. This album is song to a sequel yeah definitely yeah it's, I yeah, it's so hauntingly beautiful there's Sorry. nothing there's nothing horrible like there's not like a bad song on here like any of these songs well yeah actually any of these any of these songs could be like <laughs> any artist's discography today I can't think of a single song that's came out in like the last year that is anywhere near the level of these songs yeah I definitely agree I definitely do agree. I don't think we're ever going to have a songwriter in the vein of Joni Mitchell again. Not to say that there's not great ones today, but, yeah. but it's just, it's, she's just so magical and she kind of lays the blueprint for every singer songwriter, especially like in women's music too. Yeah. Like, it's just I hear, insane what she did. Yeah, I hear so much. Like, I, I mean, I, I know it's like so easy to compare them, but I hear so much um in Lana Del Rey's music like I hear so much oh, Joni Mitchell like most like most especially in um oh my god what is it there's a song where it's so conversational but it sounds so it's like maybe it's like textbook I don't know like there's like some like times like Lana started started doing after Norman which I know like you had told me like Norman was like inspired a lot by Blue like like she just starts doing that like songwriting and I, I don't know if she's as good as Joni but I think Lana Del Rey is definitely one of those artists that's like going near that level I don't know yeah I I agree especially with the stuff she's releasing now like A&W is really well written I know we were even connecting that to Joni's songs on Twitter I love but... that song I yeah um if anyone else thinks that that song is similar to Silky Veils of Ardor please let me know because 
I just, I just can't help but see the resemblance. I don't know. I see it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had a king. I mean, is there anything else you have to say about it? Uh, not particularly. I think we did a good job covering it. Yeah. I mean, and, it's, um, it's a good opening track and it's, you know, it's, it's a slay it, song. <laughs> it does. And it stands on her own. It stands on its own in Joni's discography as an opening track. Yeah. Like it's, I feel like it's not overshadowed by any of the other ones too. Yeah. And it, I, I feel like this is a song she sang for a decent amount of time. I feel like I, like, I kind of was thinking about this, some of the songs in this album, like, she really, some of the songs she never, like, really performed, but, like, I think she did I Had a King a decent amount of times. So, like, I remember seeing her do it, like, in, like, the early 70s, at least. It's on one of her live albums, for sure. I think it's either, I think it is on Miles of Isles, where she does that, or maybe it's Cactus Tree. But oh, it's Cactus it's, Tree, yeah. Yeah, but I know she was really critical about this album and Cloud, about, like, her artistry at the time and her songwriting and her vocals so I know she didn't like to revisit them much but I had a king and cactus tree and I think even the dawn shredder are like the three that she actually seems to continue with or not hate as much as the others well yeah the dawn shredder I think that that one I mean that one's on travelogue and I don't think she pick, would pick any song excuse me to go on travelogue at that point if it wasn't up to her standards I mean like, and I know that, like, that, like, Travelogue has so many songs from, like, Wild Things Run Fast, and I know that she thinks that that album is, like, really good, so, you know. Yeah. She picked out those those songs especially. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Then- um, okay, well, if we have nothing else to say about Ida King, we can move on to Michael from Mountains. <laughs> My beautiful soprano. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Doing Joni Justice, as I know. I know. Um, what are your thoughts about Michael from Mountains? I love this song a lot. Just like I had a king. I don't necessarily think it's as wise. It's a little more simplistic lyrically. But mm-hmm. um, even even in songs that sound more simplistic, like some of them do on this album, she still adds little elements that make it so much deeper or so much more beautiful than say like someone that wasn't a singer songwriter like wouldn't be able to do just like even the personification in the song there's like a line I wrote down where she says towards the end there's sun in the paintings that smiles on the wall you want to know all but his mountains have called so you never do like giving life to a painting giving life yeah. to mountains it's like it's just stuff like that that makes me love her a lot I love her rhyming patterns in this song she does really good rhyming stuff on here which is like so I don't know they're really beautiful um also this song is played in a really really weird guitar tuning I mean that's one thing about Joni consistently like her guitar tunings is something that we definitely you know you know we'll probably touch on more but like this song is played in a really like kind of cool tuning that's like very I don't know it's like it's so mystical um to be honest though like if I'm just putting it out there I don't really know what this song is about like (laughs) I don't really know what it means I don't under I don't really understand it either. Um, Michael, if that's his name, he's very mysterious. He yeah. seems like like he's always. She seems like she wants to know more about him or something, or like she has a crush on him, but she's never confident enough to pursue it. I guess I don't know. It seems like he's just very mysterious in her eyes. Yeah, I used to listen to this song and think about um, this guy that I was talking to that was closeted, and then he ghosted me. And I used to think about him and I was like, <laughs> Michael from Mountains, like, I will know you so well one day. That didn't happen, but, you know, 
I had the same experience, not gays living the same life. Uh, yeah. All gay men have a the few same years ago. I had. This. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> I think it is a it also does. It is a beautiful like track. It's also hauntingly beautiful. I think it's not as sad, though, as Iotic King. Yeah, or definitely not as sad. Is it kind of interesting that this was also included included on the I came to the city part when it's about being from mountains? Honestly, I think I think maybe on the surface it does, but then when you think about it, she's saying like the mountains have called him, so he's moving away to the city like outside oh, like the mountains, like mm-hmm. he's leaving into the countryside or something while she's in the city. But yeah, the first two songs don't really necessarily coincide with like I came to the city yeah but the next track does a lot the next track but does there. yeah um and if you don't I mean I don't know if I don't think I really have any anything else besides that I really love the Judy Collins cover of this song I don't know if it's it's clear but I love that cover so much I think it's beautiful um but yeah it just this song is a really beautiful like simple not simple it's simple deceivingly simple like if you were like to try to actually play it on guitar is really hard and like you know like there's the lyrics and stuff are very complex, but I think like overarchingly, it's a very simply like beautiful kind of like, I will one day try to, you know, be with you song. I don't know. Yeah, it is really cute. And it is something that it's just stayed with me for years. I don't know. Yeah, no, beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful song. Okay. Well, on that note, I think we can move to the next song, which is totally a city song. I mean, couldn't be more night in the city. And um, I mean, that is like, you know, that sets the scene perfectly. <laughs> it's the epitome of being in a cityscape. Honestly, yeah. if I'm being honest, the first time I listened to Song to a Seagull, I didn't care for the song. And I thought that it, it really didn't fit the album as well because it's the one very upbeat song on this. And it's, yeah, it is. It's like a pop song almost. It is. And I mean, I do like the writing on it, though. She doesn't go too much into depth on anything. Really, it's even when I was looking at the lyrics earlier, it felt like it was the same thing over and over again, except for like a couple lines. But yeah, I really love the lyric um, that says music comes spilling out into the street. I think that that's like such a like, I don't know, I think it's a really cool way to describe like the feeling because I like totally like, I felt that before, like, like especially like when I actually get to go to like an urban area because I go to school in such a like rural area but um like when I go to like an urban area like you just feel that city vibe like when you go to a city like like everything she says here is totally like you feel like the music and the lights spilling out across you know everything you see I just think it's a really a beautiful description of kind of her life I thought that this song was written about either Detroit or Toronto I'm not 100% on which one it was but I know it's about like one of those like early cities that she was working in yeah because around the time she was like solely performing I looked up her performances in 1967 and I know this was recorded in like the end of 67 early 68 and like all her concerts were in either Detroit New York or Toronto and I mean there were like maybe three or four in Florida and in London but that was really it yeah, girl, so, why was she in Florida? I, I don't know. That's what I was wondering. I'm like, girl, you were in all these cold states and suddenly you're in Florida. How did you even get there? I don't, you yeah. Who, who took her there? Maybe Nathan Lafreniere took her there. 
I don't know. That's where she went down to the seaside. Oh my, oh, <laughs> that could mean a lot of things. I mean, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> um, Joni is know. a Christian girl. She is, is she? I mean, when no. we get to, when we get to, um, oh my god, what is the song? Uh, oh my god, I can't think of it now. Uh, no, not the priest. I guess the priest is kind of a, <laughs> yeah. Um, I was thinking more like in like For the Roses, like Let the Wind Carry Me. She's kind of honestly like saying like, I was raised a strict Christian and I'm bored of that. Like I want to get out, you know? I feel yeah, I was raised Catholic and <laughs> I wanted to- Oh my God, we both were. Me. Oh my God. <laughs> Gays, literally, we need like, get a different experience. <laughs> I'm sorry. I haven't lived my own life. I have no original experiences. I feel that way all the time. Like there's not a single gay person I've met where they haven't been like, like at least three of our stories are like the exact same, just different people. Like- I don't know. It's just how it is. And our love for Joni Mitchell too. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's, that is actually one of the things that's very interesting is that like, I just, there's like nobody I know my age, like around me, like in the, you know, my stratosphere besides online that is like into Joni Mitchell. And I don't know what it is. Like, there's just like some small niche group of gay twinks that have found Joni Mitchell in like the past few years. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, amazing. They've cropped up. I mean, cause I've, I've liked her for like, what? I think it's like two years now. I don't know how long you've been listening to her. Like, yeah, it's been like three or four. So around the same time, I think like 2019 was when I started listening to her at the end of it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Your first song was Carrie, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Carrie. It was Carrie. And then there was another one I really liked. Uh, I can't even remember right now. All I want. It was from Ladies of the Canyon. No, oh. it was from Ladies of the Canyon. Oh. For some reason, it's escaping me right now. Like mine. Really, mine but... was for free, and I'm not gonna say why Joni Mitchell's song for free is the first <laughs> one I listened to because <laughs> I don't want to get <laughs> embarrassed. But um, if you can think about a song that was also called for free that came out two years ago, I think you can maybe understand. <laughs> literally almost two years ago in like two weeks from now it's almost been like the yeah. two-year anniversary of that yeah. wow that <laughs> yeah and, and yeah oh my god that's so interesting because she's okay we're obviously referring to Lana Del Rey um <laughs> she <laughs> isn't it interesting like she's like always releases her albums in March you know oh I didn't even realize that but yeah lately this, she has been this newest one is coming out in March chemtrails came out in March is there another one that went out in March I don't know I'm trying to think I remember I was like 13 when I started listening to her or 12 and that ultraviolence came out in June. So I don't remember the other ones. Honeymoon came out in September. Wow. Why do I know this? You're so old. (laughs) Yeah. I am old. I'm sorry. I, I was listening to, um, I was definitely listening to ultra. I was, I became a stan when I was like listening to, it was like when honeymoon, like before it came out, like right before it came out. So, and I was in only like fifth, fifth or sixth grade. Oh my gosh, you were that young? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> and I would listen to ultra violence and like walk around p- f- smoking a fake cigarette and being like, oh my God, this is such a vibe. Oh my gosh. Is now there any? Fake... Wait, no. what? I was like, now you can smoke a fake cigarette and pretend you're Joni. Well, I was going to say, is there any Joni Mitchell song that you would smoke a cigarette to? Oh. Probably a lot of the songs on Hajira. I feel like that would be a nice mm-hmm. album to just smoke a cigarette to. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like this really niche pick, but I was thinking um, 
um, ladies man from Wild Things Run Fast. Really? Like, wow. I could, I I could just it. like see her like sitting back and just like smoking like a cigarette, just being like, well, I know heartbreakers, but you take the game. I don't know. That or I like, see her ooh, doing. or, um, sorry. What? No, wait. I, what were you saying? I was going to say, or maybe like Cotton Avenue. I could smoke a cigarette. Oh, tonight. definitely. I can see with the dry cleaner from Des Moines too, low key. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, wait. All of Mingus. I would smoke a cigarette all of Yeah. It's like, so jazzy. Jazz music and a cigarette. That works. Oh, do you know how many? This is so embarrassing. I know we're on like a little side tangent right now, but just enjoy the commentary. Um, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I um sometimes because I don't like to drink a lot of alcohol, but um I sometimes like to just get because I love Diet Coke, just get Diet Coke in a wine glass with ice. And I just like to sit back and kind of like chill. And I remember there was a night where I had Mingus playing on my record player and I had a Diet Coke and I had, you know, and I was fake cigarette smoking to it. Like it was totally that vibe, you know, like I just felt that. It fits. It fits really well. It does. I can't wait to talk about Mingus when we get to that point. So yeah, it's I know. So fun. We, we keep getting ahead of ourselves on so many things. We're like, well, what about this? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, uh, back to Night in the City. Um, <laughs> I was going to say that um, I wrote this down, but um, Night in the City reminds me a lot, like, because it's like a pop. It's kind of like a, one of her first, like, poppy kind of songs. It does remind me a little bit of You Turn Me On, I'm a Radio, because, like, they they're like they're both like this kind of like continuous like pattern like they both follow like this like a pattern and like the like night in the city keeps getting repeated you turn me on and my radio keeps getting repeated I don't know and they're both like really like happy and don't really go through like a lot of different emotions I don't know yeah I, I never put those two together before but now that you say it they're both very niche and they have a lot of I know you turn me on and my radio has a lot of references to to like radios and like cassette players I yeah. think yeah no or it just does. like satellites and stuff and I feel like Night in the City kind of has that too a little bit yeah it's, it's like, referencing a lot like it references a lot of different like real parts of like the city and stuff like that I don't know I think I I see it I I felt I felt oh also this song has a uh, um is one of her first songs I think it is her first song that has another person playing with her oh really yeah someone else there's another person playing guitar I forgot to write his name down but um he was there's another person who's playing with her wow I love when she starts including other people like oh, in yeah. her arrangements too that's when her music gets to its peak in my opinion I'm yeah. sure you're too yeah yeah like when we uh, get to like when we get to um like hissing of summer lawns like in court and spark yeah oh my yeah. god and even Hajira with Jacko Pastorius uh we love Jacko we do. We Jocko's really do. father. <laughs> On this podcast, Joni is mother and Jocko's father. Larry Please. Klein is also kind of father. A little bit. I think Larry Klein is attractive. Is that just me? Anyone else out here think Larry Klein's kind of cute? No, I think John Guerin's attractive though, even though I know we don't like him. No, we don't like him. We don't like him. We don't like him at all. But no. he was kind of attractive. Like I could see her vision there. I was like, okay. Okay, I, no, like look up like Larry Klein when they first started dating. He was like With a little mustache. He, I thought he was cute. He has like he. Uh, no one can see me, but I also have like a little bit of his like. He had some curly hair. His was a lot more curly than mine, but like he had some cute curly. I don't know. I thought he was cute. Yeah, I, 
I felt it. I I kind of see it, yeah. You do have a similar hairstyle, but it's not the hairstyle of his that I just like. It's the it's the mustache that is mm. it really turns me off from him. Oh, <laughs> turns you off? Ew. Yeah, <laughs> I just fun. I don't know. What, I mean, I guess he's attractive. Like, yeah, he is attractive. Well, don't look him up now. It'll totally turn you off. <laughs> Sorry, that's rude. Never mind. <laughs> Anyways. No, you're not. <laughs> All right. Should we talk about Marcy? Yeah, we can go to Marcy. <laughs> so I'm sure you've heard the the like anagram she's done about the song or like the little introduction she did to it on one of her archive albums where she was saying she went to London oh. and the singer songwriter has like to bring back something from overseas. So she was like trying to look at British culture and like make something out of that. But then she was in someone's apartment and they were playing, someone brought a Monopoly board or something and she lost. So she started talking to this girl she recognized from Toronto and apparently they lived next to each other in New York. And she asked her, I don't know if her name is Marcy, like for sure. We're just going to call her Marcy. She asked Marcy Mm -hmm. if she liked New York and she said no. And she told Joni why. And Joni wrote the song about that. And wow, I feel bad for that girl because she <laughs> was like waiting for this man's letter forever. Like she was dusting her tables with his shirt. She was like adamant that he was coming back to her and he just never did. That's so, oh my God, poor, okay. Yeah, Joni, like I love when she does her like songs where she talks about real people. Like I think of like Freeman in Paris and like how that's like literally like Freeman in Paris, like, it is so much a character description of David Geffen. Like you can literally just like see it like so plainly written. Like, I think it's so funny that she does that sometimes. Like way to be like any more obvious than that. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, 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 I like this song. I think it's like, had some really cool lyrics. I really like the one, um, Marcy's faucet needs a plumber. Marcy's sorrow needs a man. Like that's like really kind yeah. of cuts deep. <laughs> A lot of the lyrics on this song cut deep. Like, what was the one I wrote down? Oh, still no letters been delivered. Still the winter days unfold. Marcy leaves and doesn't tell us where or why she moved away. Red is angry, green is jealous. The whole red and green thing that she starts playing with in the beginning and that she mentions it two other times. Yeah. It is so cool. Like, she starts with a candy store and then she brings it to uh, red is angry, green is jealous. Something like that. Yeah. So that that is really cool. That's uh, another reason why her songwriting here it seems simplistic but she's really doing a lot with a little yeah oh yeah um it's also like I really like the song because it's like a very like it's very quietly sung like it's not like a super like well actually like like the the main verses are not like when she's like when she goes into like in summer goes like that's kind of she gets like builds it a little bit more but like for the most part it's like a very like kind of like quiet like character oh I also wrote this is probably one of Joni's first like out character songs like a character song I mean she ends up writing not even just about real people but there's like she ends up having an entire catalog you could do a full like album of just Joni Mitchell's character songs I mean like I think of songs like um Harry's House or um Otis and Marlena like these like fictional characters you know yeah Edith and the Kingpin Shades of Scarlet Conquering yeah so all those albums have a lot of character studies on them yeah it's and this one crazy this one kind of starts it right I mean and, and the next song we'll go to is definitely a character study 
Um, yeah, now that you mention it, this album has so many little seedlings kind of hinting at where she's going to go or foreshadowing her future yeah. in music, like with being confessional, with character studies, with disillusionment, with like everything. So yeah. it's that's why I love this album so much. No, I, I totally agree. I like that's kind of what I was thinking when I was listening to it again, is I was just like trying to like think like, I feel like there's so many things that she's like reaching towards in here like she like wants to go to these like different places and like and she gets there I mean like obviously but like these are that that song is definitely a good um Marcy's a good precursor to these like character kind of stories that she does um I guess we could talk about I don't know if you have anything else you want to say about Marcy um we can go to Nathan yeah so now we move from Marcy to Nathan Lafreniere who um another character study song and this song is like this is a city song again I totally the city is so prominent in this song and it's like I it's a very interesting song I don't know yeah the lyric through the tunnel through the tunnel tired and turning into daylight once again I'm escaping once again goodbye to symphonies dirty trees with sparks and plastic clothes the ghostly garden grows girl she knew what she was doing there. She was yes. doing it live. And just like the, the fact she wrote this about a taxi driver, I didn't put two and two together until I heard someone say it in an archive album or I heard it somewhere. I think it was in her second one where she goes to New York and it's at Carnegie Hall. Yes. And they're like, they're like, stop giving us like not all New Yorkers are like that, Joni. And it's like, I don't know. It was just cool. And the fact that she did a character study based on someone she had one interaction with and goes so in depth into it, it makes it so haunting. Yeah. It's just a testament to her songwriting. Yeah. No, um, actually the like I remember her, her Carnegie Hall Carnegie Carnegie Hall clip and like she met like like someone says something about Nathan Lafreniere and then she's like and then she's like, Is he here tonight? And like looks out and she's like, No, I don't think he's here. Like it's like <laughs> like for some reason, it's weird. Some people Joni Mitchell meets and then she just suddenly like, I don't know, she like grasps to them and like even if she only met them once, like I think about um Carrie, because Carrie is just about a guy she saw walking out that was dressed in like all white, she said, and like I don't know, like it's like something she sees or people she meets and they suddenly just like they inspire her. I guess most songwriters have things like that. I don't know. I think it's really interesting. And obviously, like we talked about, like the the guitar on this song, the harsh, harsh guitar. <laughs> it's I love it. I think it it's just is so different from anything else I would expect at the time. I know people don't like to say Joni's alternative. Like we don't put her in the group of like alternative girls like Kate Bush. I mean we kind of do, but I feel like this is a song that inspires a lot of them later on. I hear a lot of them in this song or just like the sound she she's experimenting with specifically with like the Banshee. It's kind of yeah. giving PJ Harvey a little bit. I would say that she, I don't even know, like not on this album particularly, but if I think of like an album like Don Juan's Reckless Daughter, like I don't even know how you, how you would categorize that like I feel like she's like she's like not I don't know saying experimental people get so pissed off about like and I'm talking to you Twitter gays stop being so pissy about what people title <laughs> music like people like I like you can say something's experimental without the artist itself having to be like you know I don't know people say like Bjork isn't even experimental like I've seen people on Twitter be like don't call her experimental like it's so odd <laughs> It's annoying. I feel like people don't realize that in 1968, 
a lot of things were experimental because music had only been there's only there had only been so much done with it at that time yeah like Joni was one of the first singers to use alternate tunings and to put them into her music. Like, yeah. I don't think anyone else had done that before. That's why everyone kind of hated her chords and like her guitar playing. Yeah, but they said she's just, played like, guitar like an alien. <laughs> yeah, so like when people say now like Bjork isn't even experimental, it's like, well, yeah, her music was released 30 years ago now. So yeah. of course it's evolved from then, but I don't know. it's just ridiculous. Yeah, like they're so pretentious. Don't be so pretentious, you guys. It's not that deep. <laughs> it's just music. it's really not it's just I mean I know music can be important but it's not deep enough to get like don't call her experimental <laughs> oh my gosh I'm gonna get called a degenerate if I call Joni Mitchell experimental like oh my <laughs> don't call Judy Collins good don't call Carol King good <laughs> oh god we love Carol I know some of the Twitter gays don't for some reason now but I wouldn't say Twitter mother gays. too I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, the shade. <laughs> <laughs> not to be mentioned. Carol. We will not be mentioned. Yeah. At least um, she got her Taylor Swift interaction. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, um, but yeah, so that's, so Nathan Lafreniere is the last song on the uh, city, I came to the city side. And like, I think you were saying earlier, like, this song perfectly transitions because like it goes from like this like she's like kind of like done with the city almost like this guy like he's like so mean to her or so just you know did she doesn't like him and then suddenly she's like I'm leaving the city and going into you know what is it called like the down to the out of the city and down to the seaside you know like she's moving yeah I love the Soto Ballet I know oh, okay. yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, I know like the transition to it. I like it a lot too. And it wasn't something I even kind of realized until you brought up again that there's two sides to this. Yeah. And sometimes I forget that that it's split in two. I think it's really creative that she did it like that. Yes. And also like the whole fact, this, I don't know if PJ Harvey is inspired by Joni Mitchell, but just like the two sides of this album, like how it's like um in the city and then down to the seaside. It reminds me of her title, Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea. Hmm. And I'm like, I always wondered if she got that from Songs to a Seagull. I mean, I'm I probably mean, reaching a little bit. No, that but... sounds really, I mean, not everything is coincidental. Some things are intentional, even if they don't say it. I don't know. I know that um, I looked it up in Sisoto Bell, which I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Um, it means somehow, in spite of trouble, ours will be everlasting love quote Joni Mitchell, I guess. And um, that's all fine and dandy. Um, but let's be honest, the song is kind of boring. <laughs> you think so? Uh, I don't know if it's boring. I, I think it's just so tranquil. It's very tranquil. Maybe that's why it kind of like puts me a little sleepy, a little bit asleep. But maybe that's kind of the tranquility is supposed to be like that seaside, like, you know, I mean, I know the next song totally is like goes to the sea, but like, I don't know. I feel like it's just a very repetitive kind of melody, just like over and over again. Like, I don't know. I like this is the song I think like this is one of those songs I think when Joni talks about not liking Song to the Seagull because of like she's very like naive and stuff. I think that this has to be one of the songs she's thinking of. Yeah, I don't think she touches this at all, like, no. later in her career. I've never seen a live performance of this. I've never heard about her really talk about it either. No. But, I mean, 
I do I do appreciate some of the lyrics in it. Again, I know it is a little simplistic and repetitive, but like the one lyric that stands out to me is when she says sometimes spring, sometimes it's not anything a poet can sing. I just think that's cute because she's like she's like in this neighborhood now. She's meeting all these people and it kinda reminds me of Ladies of the Canyon where like she brings you into a neighborhood and like she explains what's going on there and like introduces you to everyone. Obviously yeah. not with names this time or as much in depth as she does on that song, but I still think it's really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty. It's a pretty song. Look, this song is better <laughs> than anything that I've heard in a long time, but it's just not my favorite. I mean, and that's okay. You don't have to love everything. Um, I don't know. I just think of this song as just kind of like an intimate portrait of, you know, some sort of life that's going on it's almost like a little bit like she sings it almost like it's like a lullaby do you know what I mean and I don't mean that in a bad way I just mean she sings it really quietly like it's almost like when she sings um little green you know what I mean like it's like this like very like quiet story I don't know yeah I do I I told you I fell asleep to this album a lot especially in 2021 I would fall asleep to this almost every night this album in one of the songs, sometimes I wouldn't listen to the whole album. I would just put See Soto Ballet in on repeat for like six or seven times in a row. Jeez, that's <laughs> ultimate it, melatonin. I know, but it would just help me fall asleep because it's so tranquil and it's just kind of neglecting all the harshness outside of the world or the years that she's living in. It's very inviting. Inviting, yeah. I see that. I see that vibe. I see that vibe a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... I don't have much to say about it. I don't know. I feel like it's, you know... It's a hit. I don't have much more. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have much more to say about it either, but it is cute. Yeah. I definitely have a lot to say about the next song though. The Don, Don Treader. Do we know how to say it? Don Reader? Don Treader. Don Treader. Is that how you say it? I think it's Don Treader. I'm not entirely sure, but I think, I think that's it. It might be pronounced differently. I really don't know what that means. I gotta be honest here. I looked it up and I didn't see anything really describing what it meant. I I couldn't see it either. I guess maybe she's talking about the dawn. (laughs) I don't know. I was thinking it was more she was meaning like she's like kind of like this like fortune reader like that like sees life at like coming up from like the sun I don't know I just like it's like this mystical well I know that this song is written about a dream that she had like there was some sort of dream and um it kind of goes and it actually one of my other favorite Joni Mitchell songs is written about a dream um well not all of it but some of it um do you know what song I'm Which talking one? about Paprika Plains oh and I thought it was either that or Cotton Avenue I couldn't oh is that a dream I don't know. It just feels like dreamy to me. That's why I always thought it was about a dream. I think that one was just like a microaggression. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Man. Like Cotton Avenue. Come on. Come on. Oh, oh my. Yeah, that that is really bad. I we'll get I to my... it, but <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a discussion for another day. But ooh, yeah, thankfully, actually, theme. one thing about this album is that there is nothing offensive cancelable <laughs> all very well done only she stayed like that yeah i uh i hate to tell you this but no <laughs> sorry to anyone that wants to defend joni oh here we like, go 
if you like Joni Mitchell, you're going to have to deal with that, unfortunately. And I, don't, I will never defend her for those actions. But yeah. yeah, I think that's at least that we should say, like, <laughs> we like Joni's work, but Joni as a person, we have some questionable opinions on. Very questionable. Yeah. At least this point in her career, she's still very innocent and naive. So there's not much bad we can say about her yet. Like she hasn't yeah. started like ripping into other artists yet. She hasn't started the microaggressions, the racism, the stuff like that. But the women yeah. hating. The women hating. <laughs> but the Don Treader is beautiful. We love beautiful. Roberta for making this song. And beautiful. it's it's just in like I said about one of her other songs, like I Had a King and Michael for Mountains. It's enchanting. It's it's entrancing too. Like, girl, when she says Hold your sweet wings. I have brought some dreams to share. A dream that you love someone. A dream that the wars are done. A dream that you tell no one but the grace be. That is so beautiful. And Mother. it's just, it's, oh my God. I can't even put into words how much I love this song too. This is probably my favorite on this album. Yeah, I love this song. It's so ornamental in its lyrics. Like um, the, even the first verse, paradots and periwinkle blue medallions, gilded galleons spilled across the ocean floor. Like that is so like rich with like, you know, description and like, it's just so, I don't know. It's like the album cover. It is so ornamental and so like, vi- like visual. Like you can see everything in this talk, in the song that she's singing about, you totally can like picture some sort of vision in your head of what kind of she's meaning. I don't know. Yeah, and I know people always have this debate between like is songwriting poetry, but Joni Mitchell is the one person I feel like she is a poet because of stuff like that, especially yeah. that first verse with the, is it consonants or assonance? It's like whatever that thing is where you use the same syllable or the same sound in the beginning of a word over and over again. Repetition? It's Yeah, it's like repetition. But there's like a, there's a word for it I, and I can't put my finger on it, but it's just so beautiful how she does that and yeah. how she like will weave a story together yeah. with the things I could never even think about saying. It's, it's beautiful. And, and like, I, like to piece it back to like the out of the city and down by the seaside, this album, this song in particular is such a beautiful way to describe being by the sea. I don't know. Like, I just, I really enjoy it. Yeah. And she even talks about, like, mermaids. Like, there's a lot of sea imagery in this song. Like, children at sea. It's it's just such a happy song. And it's so much more lighthearted than the beginning of the album. Especially, like, the lyrics that were talk- I was talking about. When she, yeah. she's, like, hold your fleet wings. I have brought some dreams to share. Feels like she's telling someone, like, she loves. Or, I guess, like, even whoever it is or whatever it is. Yeah. It feels so intimate. And it feels so personal. See, I think that this song is kind of haunting. I think it has a haunting quality to it. Maybe it's the melody of it. I think it's the melody of it. Um, It has a really kind of like, the chord progression isn't a necessarily super happy one. Like, I know when I've tried to play it on piano, like it, like they'll, there's a lot of like major chords in it, but then they'll do like, I don't know, like, I don't know how to describe it. Like they'll do a major but then they'll add some like weird she'll add some like weird kind of chord after it that's not like that like makes it have a haunted quality I know like she does it a lot like if you listen to like um it's kind of how it sounds like in the beginning of sun sunny Sunday when it's like she pulls the shade and then it's like that like it like goes into this like weird like kind of like not happy not sad chord I'm trying to look up and see what the 
chords are for it because they're like really odd I don't know I yeah now that you mention it I do see it is a little bit haunting I think there's there's a few songs on this album that are very hard to distinguish the emotion she's talking about because I know we had talked about it before but a lot of Joni songs don't linger on one emotion they represent so many in one yeah and oh yeah that's again the magic of her music and her songwriting yeah I actually I looked it up and I see that actually what I was thinking of is she does go she does a lot of major and then it goes minor and then it goes major again and it goes minor but of like the same chord and like I think that's kind of why it's getting that quality I don't know that's like that's just my music my music theory (laughs) the music theory yeah (laughs) You're definitely more qualified to talk about chords and chord progression than me because I can't play an instrument. So I'm, I'm glad to, yeah. But I mean, you can. You're more educated to talk about it than I am. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe a little bit. Um, but yeah, I love this song. It's a beautiful song. Um, I don't think I have anything else to say about it though. Yeah, I don't either. The yeah. Pirate of Penance is next. Yes. Can I get a collective yas from the audience? <laughs> I'm not giving away yas for this. We need like a like sound the... button. We need a sound button that does like clapping. That's like yeah. We need that remote. That's if you ever watched like Carly, yes. where Sam has like the yeah. We need that for this. We that totally would be funny. do because well because like I I love this song. I anyone else? I just love this song. I don't know. Yeah, this has never been my favorite, but I do appreciate what it's about. Um. Have you heard the story of this? Well, isn't it like, well, I know it's like a trio. It's like a trio kind of like almost like triangle of like some sort of murder mystery. And it like, yeah. And it, I know that it's like kind of like supposed to be like a joke off of the pirate of Penzance, like the Broadway show. It's like a, it's like a play off of that, but it's like the pirate of penance, like kind of, I don't know. Yeah. It's cool to me. I really appreciate what, she's going for here even if I don't necessarily (laughs) love it as much as the other song but why don't you why don't you love it like I'm just curious I think it's the melody it's something to do with the melody that I just don't I don't appreciate it that much and I don't I don't I can't put my finger on why but it's just it just annoys me a little bit sometimes I don't hate the song it's just my least favorite but I like how it's supposed to be like a murder mystery and one verse is supposed to be one woman's side of events and then the other is supposed to be the other woman's side of events. Yeah. It's kind of, it's interesting. What do you like about it, the melody? I mean, oh, what do I, I, I I mean, I love everything. I love playing the song guitar first off. I think it's really fun to play. Um, I like the melody because it's really like creepy and haunting and like weird, um, I just, I don't know. I, I I love the part where at the end, like one of the female characters almost is like, she almost like is like, not screaming, but she like gets really intense when she's like, I was at sea, I was nowhere near the mentioned murder place. Like you hear it like in her voice, she's like acting. It's almost like, Joni talks about this sometimes like in like later interviews where she's like, music is acting. Like you're, you're acting, even though, even if it's, confessional type of music you're still acting as characters and this song is really like there's three characters that she's kind of like playing into I don't know yeah and also it it is like a character study like you're saying and another thing that I also like about it is that it's very conversational because when we get to her later albums like with Coyote and stuff and Don Juan's Reckless Daughter those songs are very talkative 
and there's parts in the song where she's very talkative like um uh what part is it where she says that where she's just like going off um, it's like he dances by this in someone's bar underground or something but dances, it's like that part she dances in the wait she dances uh, um for the sailors in a smoky bar underground. Yeah, she says it so fast, and I'm like, girl, you're rapping right now. She dances for really... the sailors in a smoky cabaret bar underground. Yeah, yeah. like it's so conversational. It's very There's... talkative. I love, oh my gosh, because I mean, it's hard, honestly, to like, to kind of read the, like, to like hear the song and know all the words in the first time, because there's literally three different perspectives you can be listening to. Um, there's one of the characters has a really interesting line like later on in the song, I'm so unprepared. I really should have gotten this. Um, oh, it's like, oh, it says, it's like, then came another goodbye and another, please don't go. And then all night I dance and I keep watch with my sorrow. Like there's like so much like under, like I didn't even hear those verses until I re-listened to it like 10 times. And I was like, oh wait, <laughs> there's someone else. There's another voice there. Yeah, it's like she's talking or singing over herself in a lot of the parts, so you miss a lot of what she's saying. I guess now that we're talking about it, I appreciate it more. I kind of mm. see, okay, I knew maybe it. it's not my least favorite. <laughs> I knew I knew I could make you a believer in this song. I felt it coming. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I, I think it works. I think it's a good song. Yeah, I also think so, too. And I also love how creative she is with stuff like this. So this creative. Album. So creative. And it's so much you know by the seaside <laughs> i just I feel like, oh my god that's true because it's literally a pirate <laughs> yeah like it's so funny like she was like you know what i'm gonna play into every sea like trope possible pirates mermaids shipwrecks <laughs> yeah she really does it on the side of the album where i mean on the other side we were like there were some songs that didn't feel very like city-like but this yeah. like almost every song is very seaside -y. Oh, I think every song on the second side of the album is all C. Like, there's some sort of C reference in all of them, you know? Yeah, even on songs with Seagull and Cactus Tree, too. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can, yeah, and, like, to move to Song to a Seagull, like, that song is just, like, I mean, what, what can you say about Song to a Seagull that it's just, like, it is a beautiful title track. Like, it's just an amazing title track. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's one of her, I mean, it's so hard when we're talking about Joni's title tracks to rank them. And it's the same with her, with her opening tracks and her closing tracks too. Yeah. But Song to a Seagull is one of those that I've always loved. It's always stood out to me. And I love the opening line where she says, fly silly seabird, no, no dreams can possess you, no voice can blame you for sun on your wings. Yeah. It's like just so beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's one of my like favorite Joni Mitchell lines and title tracks. Yeah, I, I I love it a lot. Um, I love the part where she just is like, where she says like, I call to the seagull. It's like, you feel this like yearning. Like she's like, she's really trying to manifest this like life out like that's free where she can fly and like, just like kind of like run away. I don't know, like you feel it so intensely. Yeah, and I also, I forget where I read this. Because when I first was reading the song, I was kind of confused. I kind of knew what, what, it, what it was about, but I wanted a more in-depth explanation. And I remember someone was, was saying, like, this song is really about, in their opinion or their perspective, that it was about being caught in between two worlds. Like, again, connecting it back to into the city and then down by the seaside. 
yeah like how humans have to decide where they want to like live or reside and there's stuff in the material world that is very different from stuff in like that's more nature-esque when you yeah. are down by a seaside so I, I really do like that yeah no I totally I totally like it's totally a complete like middle ground between the two like the being in free versus being in the city I mean I don't know yeah and it's also is this her first bird song that she has because she goes on and she has several songs about birds later I was too. I was gonna say <laughs> this song is in the same tuning um <clears throat> which is not I mean it's rare most of her songs are in pretty unique tunings but this song is in the same tuning as um the song from Chalk Mark and a Rainstorm A Bird That Whistles oh really yeah oh my gosh that's why that song sounds so familiar I was always trying to put my my finger on it but now I see it wow they're the same tuning and honestly like they both kind of have like just this talking to like the bird like talking to this like nature like presence I know like in the bird that whistles she's like uh I don't know she talks about like a house by the water you know and like this is kind of like maybe that was her like like that's like she's like finally gotten to the water like maybe a bird that whistles is her like part two of this song I don't know maybe yeah, even in Sweet Bird, when she's talking about, um, I also feel like I hear a little bit of this in Sweet Bird, too, when she says, like, golden in time, cities under the sand. Like, yes. it kind of connects back to, like, the cities and the seaside thing. Yeah, so. definitely not. I don't hear really anything in Black Crow. <laughs> oh, definitely not. Um, That's more about, like, escapism. Like, yeah. To a, a different extent of what she's talking about she here. She does love birds. Joni Mitchell is apparently a great, um, oh, my God, what are those called? Those people, like, that are, like, really into birds? Like, my mom is one of them. She loves birds. I don't know. Something. Really? I, yeah. I don't really like birds. They're scary. Seagulls scare the shit out of me, by the way. So this song, I can't relate calling to the seagull because seagulls are fucking scary. I don't know. <laughs> oh I have a traumatizing experience with a seagull when I was on vacation in like seventh grade with my parents we were at like Ocean City New Jersey and the seagulls there are vicious because I had french fries in my hand and one dove straight at me and stole it out of my hand I thought I was gonna die and oh I have God. never I have never been near a seagull after that I will never go near a seagull they are vicious and they are scary they are but she makes them really appealing here no they, yeah in this song I'm like I, I want to call to the seagull. I feel her. And then like, and then when I actually see a seagull, I'm like, nope. <laughs> nope. Like, they're so elegant here. And then in real life, they're just savages. Yeah. <laughs> I love, um, I also really love um, like that she mentions, um, what is it? She mentions Crusoe. Um, living like Crusoe, which is like a literary, a beautiful like literary reference to like Crusoe, who was like a guy that got shipwrecked for like, I, I forget how long he was like shipwrecked for, like 28, it was either 28 days or 28 months. I don't know. And he was like shipwrecked and like he kind of was like by himself. And I feel like I feel her like, her, I see a parallel between how she f- feels as well. Like she feels like shipwrecked and just kind of like lost, like trying to figure out where she wants to go in life. I don't know. Yeah, it's really cool how she also always finds this connection between either people like from literature, fantasy, and then also with like artists too, with her like musical artists where she feels kinship with them and then she includes them in her music. It's really, it's really clever and I could never do that. 
<laughs> like, how does she pull out all these references to stuff? She has a Rolodex in her head that just pulls them out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, or, or the Bible, always referencing the Bible is always somewhere. <laughs> Every album it is always has something. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love, um, I love the line that like the beaches were concrete and the stars paid a light bill. Like that is like, it's so ironic. It um it's so like harkens to Big Yellow Taxi. I mean, if you think about it, like this kind of like world where everything's just been like paved over and like paradise lost. I don't know. Yeah, I do see that a lot. It's also, it does connect again back to like the city part of the album because I think like when she says an island of noise on a cobblestone sea, like is she talking about a city there? Because an island of noise and a cobblestone sea, like she's saying like the cobblestone is endless or like that's where she is. That's another thing that I, I get a little confused about. Is she talking about a city here or is she talking about like a city by the ocean? I don't know. I imagine cool. her being like at like a pier of a city. Like I could see her like being at a city and then like walking on like the pier and like looking out and just being like, there's such a wide world out there that these seagulls get to see. And I'm like in this like kind of like landscape that's like concrete and buildings and you know stars paying light bills like I feel like this is her like kind of calling out to leave the city you know to leave and go somewhere different I don't know yeah I like how she has climate change isn't a thing at this point but it's cool how she is very observant of nature and what's happening what humans are doing to it because it feels like a lot of artists at this time aren't doing the same thing no. or talking about this at all so yeah I think she said that original I feel like I heard her say that people mocked big yellow taxi in the beginning too like people thought it was like stupid like you know like what are you talking about but I mean big yellow taxi is prevalent now more than you know it's ever been like I I, I don't know I don't know I just love this song I think it's a beautiful title track and it's just yeah yeah, it's really hard because I, I think this and the Dawn Treader are my two favorites on this yeah. album. I like, yeah, I like both of those songs a lot. I really like those songs. And then we have our final, our last song of this album, the final song to a seagull. <laughs> Cactus Tree. Mm-hmm. This is the most confessional song on this album, like we said before. I know Joni talked about it, talked about it somewhere, what a cactus tree is. It's, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's almost like a list or a map of every man she's loved or every man that has loved her. Mm-hmm. I believe that's what she I, says. I don't it know. Is. I think that's what she says a cactus tree is. And then she references this song on Blue Motel Room, if I'm not mistaken. It's Blue no. Motel Room. Oh, wait, no. It's, um, no, no, no. It's something on Hajira. Amelia. I into the, Refuge of the, oh, Amelia. I pulled into the cactus tree motel. Sh- yeah, it is Amelia. It is Amelia. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Don't come for me. I'm sorry. I know. I, I was trying to help. <laughs> for some reason, I thought Blue Motel Room, and then I remember she was talking about a Cactus Tree Hotel, and for some reason, it got she mentioned Cactus. No, there's another Cactus Tree that she mentions on Hygiera, I think she does. Right somewhere, I feel like she does. I thought so, but I know Amelia for sure has one. Yeah, I know it does. I know it does too. I'm so sad I didn't even. Yeah. I'm so sad I got it wrong. But it's, I love I, mean, I love a lot. Of, I just love okay. the lyrics on this song. Oh yeah. Um, I was gonna say talking about the confessional, the lyric, um, 
before she fears that one will ask her for eternity while she's so busy being free. That's totally holding a mirror to herself. Like that's a hundred percent her talking about all these men that she's thinking of that. Like she's had these experiences with and she's not, she doesn't want to be tied down. She like wants to be free and she's afraid to settle or, you know, I don't know. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And this like, it's confessional and it's, kind of foreshadowing where she's going next especially on clouds because so much of her music is about wanting love but also wanting freedom at the same time and she's constantly grappling with what she wants more and what she what she needs and this is like the perfect example of it's just the perfect start of her to to, to open that that part of her career in my opinion yeah especially I mean- like yeah, just like the little stuff, like they have laughed inside her laughter. It's yeah. like, oh my god! <laughs> I mean, I didn't realize that though. But there is such a there is such a pool in her in her songs between freedom and being loved. And I wonder why she. Oh, whoops, I, I wonder why she feels <laughs> like um, why she feels like you have to be tied down in order to be in love. Like I wonder why she feels that way because I feel like there's people that feel the opposite that feel like being in love is a freeing thing I don't know it's weird yeah it's interesting I guess a lot of the guys she was with seemed to not be faithful to her like I don't know a lot of the guys she was with treated her really badly from that's from her point of view we haven't gotten necessarily all the other side but I don't know if she would lie about that Uh, I mean who was it was it um the guy that was her drummer um Don something that she dated Oh, John Guerin? Wasn't he, or I don't know if that was, no, I don't know. There was a some some guy she dated that was a drummer that I think was supposed to allegedly abusive to her. I don't know if that's 100%. It was John Guerin. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's why I said we don't like him. We don't, he was yeah. the one that abused her. Yeah, yeah, because, like, is he also the one? I think that there's some story, side tangent, about, like, at, like, Miles Davis's house or something, and, like, he like he, he like punched her there or something I don't even remember like I don't know maybe so I guess yeah she's had some bad experiences with men and she feels like she'll never kind of be able to be free if she keeps getting with these men I don't know I feel her yeah yeah <laughs> don't we all she's she's very relatable in that sense where there's I feel like everyone comes to a point in their life where they think how how do I be in love or how do I sacrifice so many years of myself without being free or without having more experiences than just what I'm having right now? Yeah. And yeah, that that's like another thing, a part of her music that I really like is the, the struggle between love and freedom because so mm-hmm. many of her songs like just talk about that. And I honestly don't think another person has put that into words better than she has. No, I'm... I mean, I think that like, I hate, I always hearken back to the song, but I love this song so much. I think that Let the Wind Carry Me is totally that. Like she said, I mean, she says that. She says, sometimes like I get that feeling I want to settle and raise a child with somebody. And then she's like, but it passes like the summer. I'm a wild seed again. Let the wind carry me. Like that's like, oh my God, that's so, for the roses that's a top five Joni Mitchell song that is I that is one of my favorite lines she's ever written too it's, I wonder it's, I know I did like a top 50 Joni Mitchell songs I wonder if I put that in my like top 50 I don't remember I'm I, well no I definitely put it in my top 50 I don't know if I put it though in my like top 10 
I love it's that. So song. hard to rank her songs. I'll say like everything is a top five Joni Mitchell song, but like that, I don't know. I've always loved that one. Besides both sides now. Oh, besides both sides now, yeah, that is the Joni Mitchell song. We're tired of being ranked number one in every <laughs> Joni song ranking. I'm sick of it. That Big Yellow Taxi, Chelsea Morning, and then there's like maybe three others that are always at the top for some reason, and I don't understand Woodstock. why. Woodstock, yes. I like Woodstock for what it is, but it's not my favorite Joni Mitchell song. And I feel like she goes, she does so much better. There are songs stronger than that on Songs to a Seagull. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, No, I mean, I think everyone can agree that collectively Song for Sharon is her best song, right? Like, I think we all just kind of agree with that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, a lot of people will put a song from Hajira. I also think Song for for Sharon is probably her best just because of all... There's so many layers to unpack in that song. So we're going to have a lot to discuss when it comes to Hajira. But oh Amelia God. too, Amelia and Coyote in the title track for Hajira are all like, people will all say that those four are her best, at least her fans. I mean, I think all of Hajira is her best. Hajira is, I mean, I'll just, I'm going to say it now. Hajira, I think is her best album. Like not to like, you know, be that guy, but I think it is her best album. If I really have to think about it, like, I don't know. I just, but this album is really good as well. <laughs> yeah, this is, top 10, this is a top 10 Joni album. Probably even, maybe, I don't know if it's top five, maybe top seven, but for <laughs> me, it's like up there. It really is up there for me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I used to, I used to like, this is like one of my like top, but then I slowly started to like other ones more. Like I started like For the Roses. I know I used to be a hater. I was a For the Roses hater. I will admit that. (laughs) When I met you, you hated For the Roses. I I think you sent me your Joni Mitchell ranking and you were like, it all changes, blah, blah, blah. But I remember For the Roses like 16 or 17 in your ranking. And I was so upset because my literally my username for Twitter from the day I got it was For the Roses. Trash. No, I'm just kidding. I love that album. It's beautiful. (laughs) I, I just didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't get what it was trying to tell me but now I understand I think I understand (laughs) you think you understand yeah you do you know where you stand I don't know where I stand actually it's really (laughs) interesting um but you know why she's talking about stand so much she needs to sit down oh my gosh please well now she's sitting a lot girl we won't get into that oh my god (laughs) (laughs) well shit don't come for her like that I'm not. I love her. She's my, she's like everything to me. I literally, <laughs> what? Now she's sitting a lot right now. That's horrible. But she's cute. Like she's Canceled just like, first I'm the new episode. It's cute. Like, was it the Newport Folk Festival where she's performing with Brandy Carlisle and she's just sitting down? <laughs> when she's sitting, you can't, no one can see what I'm doing right now, but like she was doing a lot of arm motions. Like, did you see, like, when she was doing Big Yellow Taxi, she was like, they charge the people an arm and a leg. And she, like, grabs her leg. She's like, an arm and a leg. Oh, just to see. I didn't, I didn't even see that. But I did. Have you ever seen the furry thing of the blue performance from, like, 2013? Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> she was getting into it. It was sensual, girl. That It felt, like, very sexual. And she's like, no, but then, like, you can tell. At, like, I remember at one point, like, no, at the beginning, she crosses her fingers because she doesn't think she's going to be able to sing. She's like, and she crosses her fingers and then she's like, oh, Beale Street is coming down. And, like, <laughs> and then at another point, she like grabs her like throat, like after singing, she's like, like, because she's like, oh, I can't. 
was that bus did she still smoke cigarettes she quit right like i think she quit after she had that like aneurysm in i'm gonna hope the brain aneurysm was a a step was enough. i i hope for her health that she stopped smoking because i that was the reason why she lost her vocal cords in the first place i think she was smoking like three packs of cigarettes a day unrelated but i remember i was watching a Joni mitchell interview and she said she started working the paper routes in like elementary school so she could pay for her packs of cigarettes yes. at like nine years old. Wow, what a legend. Mother. <laughs> she raised us. Like that's so I like that's unironically hilarious that she was like, it was all about smoking for me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. She I remember she was smoking in some restaurant and a waiter was like gonna tell her she had to stop but then he realized it was Joni Mitchell and he said no like I can't go over to her and say stop she would have caused a scene knowing oh. her she would yeah do you think Joni Mitchell's a Karen everyone pull if you think Joni Mitchell's a Karen <laughs> I mean I don't know when I she, she's, she's a Joni she's a Joni she's different she's I feel like behind the scenes she might be one, but to someone's face she's not. Like like the same thing with Bob Dylan. Like she'll say like all this stuff and then she's like, I didn't say that. <laughs> Bob Dylan's the plagiarist. <laughs> it reminds me of that interview from like the early two thousands with like, you know, Paris Hilton, Britney Spears, and like Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. And then Lindsay Lohan oh. said like Paris is a cunt. And then <laughs> they asked her, like, why I never said that. That's giving Joni. Like, that's literally the epitome of oh her. Oh my god, that's so <laughs> funny. I never said that. What do you I, Paris is I never my said friend. That. <laughs> that's, so that's literally her reaction to like the Bob Dylan call out. Oh my god, the elderly are gonna hate that you just said the word cunt. You're about to get canceled again. I am. Oh no. Hey, Joni, Joni cursed in her music a, a few times. She said fuck a, a little bit. Drive your bargains, push your papers, win your medals, and fuck your strangers. She ate that up. She, she really I did. Mean, when else, wait, when else does she, oh, there's another, oh, I know she says kiss my ass. In a, in lead, it was in a lead balloon. balloon. Yeah, that is one of my, <laughs> that's an don't, interesting Joni Mitchell story. Don't say that that's your least favorite because I love me some lead balloon like when I'm pissed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I'm pissed off, I want the windfall, okay? That is my <laughs> pissed off Joni Mitchell song. It makes me want to kick my maid in the shin, too. Oh, my God. I don't have a maid. I don't have a maid. But, like, that's the story behind No, actually, it. you guys, he does have a maid. I'm looking at his camera right now, and he's in, like, a mansion. Like, I swear he's at least in, like, some nice Bel Air home. Girl, please. My shitty dorm in a jail cell. I'm in a jail cell, actually, currently. I'm filming this from prison. Ryan's in a room surrounded by Taylor Swift posters, guys. Shut up. <laughs> oh my God. I don't want to be exposed like that. I am a Taylor. I'm a Swifty. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not a Swifty. You're a Swifty. <laughs> I'm actually, yeah, I'm actually going to her concert. Wait, is she touring? Yeah, at some point. It, oh, in May, I'm going to see her. I wish I could have seen Joni. I know we both wish we could have seen her, but that is like in the middle of nowhere in Washington. In. no you gotta take a ferry oh. to a highway to a pontoon plane to a taxi to a train <laughs> like it's no yeah you have to be a crow to get there oh my god are we gonna do a review of her performance we i think we're gonna have to do like a like Joni in washington live like performance review we're gonna be like hmm costume i feel like her outfits could have been better <laughs> 
we have to keep if we do that we have to keep the brandy carlisle slander to a minimum because what if somehow joni sees it and she's like these white twinks are like coming for my daughter right now my poor daughter is getting attacked oh my god stop okay poor brandy i can't that's that's definitely something we're we're covering that will be on the cover we'll have to do like update guys we are currently live watching the (laughs) the uh where is it (laughs) like the george washington performance yeah Um, it's some amphitheater i believe why didn't she just do it at red rocks i would have been able to go to that like that's close like that's like easy Why'd she choose Washington of all places too? I mean, I guess it's because it's rural. I think but... you know why they chose it. Wait, why? Because daughter wanted it there. Oh, oh, see? I don't know. I assume Brandy Carlisle pushed for that, but we won't slander her yet. <laughs> we won't slander her yet. That's for that's for post. No, that's for Blue when I'm talking about my hearing her covers of Blue songs and I'm like... Mm. I never... I, I refuse to do that. I refuse to listen to that performance. I, it's not that I don't like Brandy's voice or something. It's just I don't want to hear someone cover Joni Mitchell because I don't think anyone does her justice. And that's not to be pretentious or something. But the one person I have heard do Joni justice is Wise Blood. I really love her yes. cover of Woodstock. Yes. She, so good. Like, even her vocals and her delivery a lot of the time, she is like Joni's daughter or something in that aspect I don't know and even like Titanic Rising in her new album remind me a lot of a little bit of like Court and Spark I love I love Wise Blood literally that that's another that's a potential mother right there <laughs> <laughs> that's a potential mother she's almost there um oh my gosh okay um song to a seagull oh my gosh we've like literally got so off track um we've been rambling yeah sorry okay um so that's the album. Um, I think we did a pretty cohesive cover of it. Um, what would you rate this album out of 10? You see, I always say Joni has like five, six, seven perfect albums. Probably even more than that to me. Like I think she has nine, tens in her discography and I usually give this a 10. So I mean, I think it's a perfect album. Okay, you'll give it, so. I would give it a nine out of 10. Um, only because CISO Tobelane. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my god, the tea. And um, your favorite song you said was Song to a Seagull. Song to a Seagull and a Dawn Shredder. I genuinely, I like, I can't pick either over, over the other. Yeah. It just depends on my mood. Mine, I know that, like, I, I love those two songs so much, and I love Pirate Pants, but I think I'm gonna say my favorite is I Had a King, for sure. I just really... Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I really love I that see song. that. Um, and my least, least favorite. I mean, yeah, I see the Toba Lane is definitely my least favorite. But yeah, see the Toba Lane. Mine is Night in the City. Oh, hot take. Yeah, maybe that's my like second least favorite. It's not yeah, a bad song, I mean, but not by any means. But I just I don't think it's Joni's strongest song. But no. no, I have skipped it before. I have skipped it before a couple of times. <laughs> I'm listening to the album and like this doesn't fit the vibe. So I just oh my god, don't tell her that. She she would agree. She, I don't think she's t- has she touched that song at all. I don't think she has. I don't think I have. I don't hear her talk about ninety percent of these songs anymore. Um, the only ones I would say she really ever did a decent amount would be like, um, Cactus Tree. She did a lot. I had a King. She did a decent amount. Um, and the the Don Shredder. Like Don Shredder. Yeah, she twice. does that on a uh, uh travelogue. 
Song to a Seagull. I feel like she did that a lot in her early career, though. Like, she sang that song a lot, but, like, it, her voice just couldn't. I mean, like, imagine her trying to sing that now. Oh, my God, imagine in Washington if they try to do, like, all, like, Song to a Seagull songs. Oh, my God. It's, she had such nasally vocals at the beginning. Like, her voice was very, very warbly. So it would be hard for her to do that now. I can't replicate what she's doing. It's yeah. so hard. I think she'll probably do songs Hygiera and Beyond. I can't imagine her. I mean, well, actually, no, she's going to do songs from Blue because Brandy's going to be like, we need to do Blue. Um, but uh, like, I'm sure we'll probably um, imagine. Okay, I know that we're still rambling, but imagine she sings Taming the Tiger as her first song. Think about it. I need her to do more of her later work because it doesn't get the appreciation it deserves because we all talk about her 70s albums, but I think her 90s albums, those three albums are just as good. They're on par with her 70s work. And I think, I know that's a hot take. No, they, people, they are. They are. But Turbulent Indigo, Night Ride Home, and Taming the Tiger are all like eight plus out of 10. They're all Turbulent, great albums. Turbulent Indigo is so fucking good. Like that album is literally amazing. Like I know. Sorrow. Yeah, there's so many great songs on that. Last Chance Law, Sunny yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I and can't wait to talk about her later work. And obviously Doggy Dog is definitely another 10 out of 10. Oh, really? Mm-hmm, it is. Hot take. Hot take. We'll get to <laughs> it. Rolling Stone would disagree. Fuck Rolling Stone. They don't know shit. I would like to see one of them tell Joni Mitchell that Doggy Dog isn't her best work and see what happens. Because I heard she likes to throw hands and kick shins well yeah and she also defended that album too like she was saying that she didn't understand why people hated it so much it was on her she made an instagram post a few maybe it was last year maybe it was she was referencing an well, interview from like the 90s but she, she made she it. it she made the instagram post oh uh, no it was brandy <laughs> <laughs> that was like a, who runs her instagram do we have any inside knowledge on who runs her account can someone please if you know let me know <laughs> Someone needs to fire whoever runs her account because they set her up. They set oh. her up good. <laughs> when they did, no, they've set her up twice. The first time was when they were like, happy anniversary, Don Juan's Reckless Daughter. And they posted the fucking cover. Come on, you guys. You could have posted any other picture. Like, come on. And then the second time was recently when they said, what's your favorite Joni album cover art? <laughs> When I saw those tweets, my life flashed before my eyes because I knew when I clicked on it, I was about to, I was about to see her getting dragged. And I mean, rightfully so, rightfully so, but. She, no, she didn't really get dragged that hard on the, which was the favorite album cover art. People, most people did like her actual art, like work covers, like not her photo photography ones, but like um, the John Juan's Reckless Daughter post, we were in the trenches that day. <laughs> like We were. And they didn't delete it for like five or six hours afterwards. It took them a while to delete that post. But they did. That's, I mean, like, that's one thing, though. They did delete it, which makes me think hopefully they are going to be reconsidering some things in the future. But that's another. Especially with the remasters. We're praying. <sighs> I, we're praying. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> we're praying. Yeah. Okay, well, um, I think that this was a really great first episode. First episodes are always bad. So, you know, excuse any of the errors that we've had. <laughs> I think we've done it. And yeah. Time. Yeah. We're sorry for rambling. But no, I think we're not sorry. No. Don't be sorry. Yeah. 
we have I'm to give sorry. some insight. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And I like referencing her or other like other things she's done in her career, even if we're not there yet. We'll get to it. That's my that's we'll my coined phrase. We'll get to it. We'll be there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, I don't know. Do you have anything you want to say to close things out? Um, if anyone's made it this far, I love you. <laughs> oh wow, that's so sweet. I was gonna say, um, <laughs> like I personally really love this album. Like Joni, you killed it on this one. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Thank you everyone for listening. Um, and uh, we will be back again next time with um clouds, both sides. Clouds. Both sides. Now we're gonna be moving on to that era which you know her number one song of all time full size now <laughs> said no one said absolutely no one right <laughs> okay well um well, thank you guys for listening and um we will see you next time yes. bye <laughs> bye <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>